So today we're finishing our series we called uh, Divine Direction. And so here's what we've said in the series so far. Not focusing on what you do, but who you are is, most, is one of the most important pathways to find what God wants you to do. So you would think, what does God want me to do? What, what's the direction I should take in my life or in this moment? And we start with trying to figure out what the, the action is. And what we've said is start first with the person God wants you to be. And that will clarify so much of what he wants you to do. And then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about having the wisdom to discern. Last week, we talked about trusting God's process. So today, what I want to do is I want to give you two things that will help you to actually start walking in God's divine direction in your life. And if we're honest, for most of us, a lot of the challenge is in the starting, right? We get stopped, we get stalled out in the starting, and so you look on social media, you know, and you see all these before and after pictures. Here's a person, I lost 50 pounds, you know, or I renovated my house, or, you know, I did something spectacular. And we look at it and we go, man, that is such a gigantic project. And we just, you know, sometimes fail to start. Or we look back in our past at something big we tried to do, and we say, man, I remember how painful that was. That didn't work at all. And so that memory prevents us from starting, but this morning, what I want to do is I want to actually um, share with you how God wants to produce the faith inside of you to start. And that's what we're going to talk about. And I know this, you will never finish 100% of the things you never start. Right? So you got to start. Isn't that right? I'm a statistics person. So I'll just tell you what all the research says. I mean, you can look in all the research. There's no, I don't care which news channel you watch, you'll never find disagreeing statistic on this. A hundred percent of the things you never start, you're never going to finish. Right? It's absolutely true. People that say there's no absolute truth, that's absolutely true. So maybe for you today, God is leading you a new direction or in a new relationship or in a new job. Or maybe it's starting a new school. Or maybe, maybe you've been here at Kingwood for a while and you haven't found your people yet and he's kind of nudging you and saying, hey, it's time to meet somebody. Like try out a, you know, try out a life group. Or maybe for you it's time to begin the journey of generosity. You say, am I going to live this thing or am I not going to live this thing? Am I going to put God first on Sunday or am I going to put God first in my whole life? And maybe it's time for you to take a step in giving. And say, hey, you know, you've heard the phrase, put your money where your mouth is. Like, do I really trust God with everything, or am I going to run some things? And maybe, maybe it's time for you to take that step. Maybe that's where your divine direction is leading. Or maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's time for you to begin a prayer life with God. And that's the direction that he's leading you today. But what will happen is, is if you'll take that first step, Eventually, you'll look back and you'll say, hey, God led me. But it's so much easier to see how God led you when you take a first step than when you take no step. When you just wait. He's not going to push you up off the couch and get you moving. Like, you actually have to take a step. In the Old Testament, there's a man we meet named Nehemiah. And he gives us a great backdrop for this whole um, teaching today. 
He, uh, the people of Israel, God's people were in slavery in Babylon and Persia. Nehemiah served the king of Persia. But God put a divine burden. This is very important. He put a divine burden on Nehemiah's heart. And the burden that God put on Nehemiah's heart was that, that he would see God's people restored because they had been in slavery. They were going back to their own land. And the burden that God put on Nehemiah's heart that he would see God's people restored to their land to the city of Jerusalem, that the walls would be rebuilt, and that they would become a nation again after so many years of slavery. It reminds me of a, of a friend of mine who had a divine burden. You've probably never heard of him. His name is Mike Rakes. Mike Rakes, uh, I met many years ago. He was a pastor's son, and he felt called to be a pastor. And he took the very traditional path to become a pastor. He went to college, and he served in different churches, and then he became a pastor. But after a few years of pastoring, he became very unsettled and disturbed about what was going on in ministry. And one Sunday, he went to his church, and this is exactly what happened. He asked the church, if you've become a Christian since I've been your pastor, I'd like you to just raise your hand and let me know if, if you become a Christian since I've been your pastor. And he said not one person in the entire room lifted their hand. And he became so um, broken over that fact. He became so repentant that his leadership had not led that church to reach one person in several years. He resigned. He repented before his church, he repented before God, and he resigned. And a few years later, he eventually planted another church that was focused on reaching its community. And he pastored that church, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years. And by the way, I looked the church up last night, it's still there. And that church began to reach its community and begin to reach lost people in Orlando. And when I looked it up, they now have two campuses, they have an online service, they have people from 45 nationalities, and they support 200 missionaries. And it all started, watch, with a divine burden. Something is wrong. Something in the world is missing. And somebody needs to do something about it. That's what it started with inside of his own heart, and that's what, that's what caused him to take such radical action. A divine burden often leads to a divine decision which helps you find divine direction. Did you get that? A divine burden often leads you to the divine decision that helps you find divine direction. But it starts with that step. The divine burden gives you a clue what direction that you need to be going. It doesn't have to be something radical like resigning your church and you know quitting your job. And It doesn't have to be something radical like that. It might be something small for you. You might just have a burden for prayer and not know, what, what do I do? Well, t take a step. You might have a, um, a, a burden, a divine burden for special needs ministry. You know what? We, we have been able to touch so many special needs families from our church in the past year. And you know how we've done it? Let me tell you how we've done it. Because a very small group of people in our church has a divine burden to touch that community. It doesn't come from the majority of our church. 
It comes from a small group of people who have a divine burden who said somebody needs to do something. And then they took a step. Maybe for you it's um, the fact that they're, this is the most unchurched county in Alabama. Maybe that burden weighs heavy on your heart. Maybe it's what we heard about this morning. Maybe it's a, a burden to reach the world. Where do you start? Take a mission trip. Take a step. We do two of them a year. You can jump on one of those teams. Maybe for you, your burden comes from your own pain, or it comes from your own experience, or it comes from, comes from your own observation in the world about something that you see missing somewhere, and you say, somebody needs to do something about this. You, you just stirred inside. Some people call it a holy discontent. See, here's what's crazy about Nehemiah. He was not a natural leader at all. He was not a natural leader. He may, may not even have been a gifted leader. He was not a natural wall builder. He was not a natural city builder. He was not a natural nation builder. You know what Nehemiah was? He was a cupbearer. Now, we don't have cupbearers today, maybe in the same way, but here's what a cupbearer was. A cupbearer was a guy whose only job was to taste food and drink before the king ate it, so if he didn't die, the king could eat it. Profound, isn't it? You know, they come in with this gigantic buffet, and the king says, give it to him. If he's okay, I'll eat it. You know, they just sit and watch him. Well, he's not sweating, <laughs> not foaming at the mouth, eyes aren't rolling back in his head. Give me a turkey leg. <laughs> That's his job. His job is the cupbearer. He's a regular guy. He's a, he's a servant. Now listen, his career was not his burden. Oh, that's a good thought. So what, what do you do if you look and you say, hey, I, I, this is how I earn a living, but I don't have any way to live my burden there. Well, that was Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. There's nothing to indicate that his burden was to be a cupbearer and to filter the king's food. He had a different burden. What do you do if your burden and your career are not the same thing? Maybe that's a question you've been asking yourself. And maybe it's not always as dramatic. You hear these stories about, you know, we saw missionaries today and we, we encounter missionaries regularly at Kingwood who go, go off to other parts of the world and win the world. Or this pastor I just told you about that resigned his church and went and started another church. And today he's the president of Evangel University in Springfield. And we hear all these heroic stories and we, uh, these heroes of faith. And you look at your job and you say, you know what? My job looks more like the TV show Parks and Rec or The Office. I work with crazy people. You know, you, don't, you haven't been down there. You don't know what that's like. And you say, what could I do? Here's what you could do. Depending on what your burden is. You could start a prayer list in your work, in your office. And just circulate an email, group email every week with an updated prayer list. Hey, here's the list of people we're praying for this week. If you need prayer, let us know. We'll put your name on it and circulate it. You could start a book club. And maybe once a week you could gather over lunch with some of your coworkers and debrief a book from a subject that is your burden. And maybe there are other people who will be reached by that. 
You could start a, 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 like a care ministry at your office when people are sick and they're out. Maybe your group just reaches out and encourages them somehow. There's all kinds of things that you could do. Maybe you're an owner or a manager of your company and you could take some of the work that you do and invest it in your divine burden. I met a man like this when I was in college. I, I was in college and like most college kids, I had a, you know, a junker for a car and my car kept breaking down and somebody at school told me, hey, there's this guy out in the next town over about 13 miles away and, and he just wants to help um, ministry students. I said, great, I am one. Let's go. So I, you know, drug my car over there, and I met this guy. And he said, man, I just have a passion. I have a burden to see as many people go into ministry as possible. So what I do is when a ministry student's car breaks down is I, I fix it at a deep discount because I just want to put as many people in ministry as I possibly can. And I pulled up at his shop, and he had like a gravel road and, you know, a few bay doors and just you know, like a shop looks, just a few garage doors and greasy people everywhere. But, every, I, but I got to know him real well because my car kept breaking down. And I'd go out and he'd, he'd come out and smile. He'd always greet me with a smile and he'd say, what happened now? Come on, we'll fix it. I'll tell him, all right, we'll fix it. I'll call you when it's done. And you know what's crazy? That guy's divine burden has impacted hundreds of people, and heaven only knows how many people that guy helped put in the ministry. Because he, his career and his burden were two different things. But he figured out a way how to leverage his career to expand his divine burden that God had put on his heart and put on his life. You know, wherever you are, I would say lean into your burden. Maybe for you it's not possible in your career. Maybe it's something you need to do here. Maybe your burden is to help our church become a movement of hope in this community. And maybe there's an expression here. And, uh, and here's what I want to say to you today. Thank God for the people who have a burden to send the message of the gospel out to as many people as possible because our online ministry is possible today because there are people with tech skills who have a divine burden to see the gospel spread. Fred and the team that worshiped, led you in worship today, almost all of them are volunteers and the people that are serving our kids today, almost all of them are volunteers and, and work with our teenagers and we have a group that go on missions trips. We always have new people that go on missions trips, but we always have a group of regulars. And thank God for them. Because of them, because of that burden that's on their heart, the gospel keeps spreading and keeps expanding, and hope keeps moving, and people's lives keep changing, right? Because of that divine burden. So here's what I want to say to you. Wherever your burden is, lean in. Take a step. Whatever the step is, take that step. Now, maybe you'll be like Nehemiah. Maybe for you it won't be a daily thing. Maybe it won't be a weekly thing. Maybe it won't be a monthly thing. Maybe what will happen is you'll just be building your skill and building your credibility and building trust in your industry for who knows, maybe years. That's what happened to Nehemiah. I mean, you don't just, you don't just walk in the palace one day and become a cupbearer. You're not going to taste the king's food unless they trust you. And so he had to work his way into that role, and who knows how many years that was, but his divine burden was never expressed for years, and maybe that'll be you. 
But maybe the day will come when God needs somebody on the inside. He needs somebody in your company or in your industry or in your role or with your skills. And that will be the day like Nehemiah that God taps you on the shoulder and says, now, now's the day, now's the time. This is what all this was for. So I would encourage you, wherever God has put you, serve him faithfully, live a godly life, build your skill, build your integrity, build your credibility, and build your trust. And if it's not expressed on a weekly basis, there will come a moment or moments where God will say, now, now, I want it now. And you will be pivotal Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and he's the reason Israel had a nation. He's the reason they had a nation. He did an unbelievable thing. But do you know most days felt boring? Most days felt like he was doing nothing. But the day came when God said, now. The credibility and the trust and all that's been built up now. And it, here's how it started, though. It started with prayer. And the whole first chapter of Nehemiah is the prayer that happened. I want to read you the last verse, uh, Nehemiah 1.11. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So his first step was prayer, and when he was in prayer, he began to realize how much trust he had and decided, hey, I need to share this with the king. And here's the great thing about it. When you share the burden God has put on your heart, it becomes more real to you. And it's very important that you don't just sit on it, you pray about it, and you tell somebody about it. And in this case, the king listened, and the king sent him back to Jerusalem, and the king uh, released him to go rebuild the walls, and now Nehemiah is on his way to Jerusalem doing something really big because he did something really small. He took a step. So how do you start walking in divine direction? Two points today. Number one, start small. Start small. You know how to do something big? Start small. I remember when our two boys, you know, took their first steps, and they looked like little orangutans, you know, walking around the house. And we were like, ah, oh, isn't that good, you know? And they're bumping things, knocking things over, you know, collapsing. We're like, oh, it's so good. Four steps, you know, and then tomorrow it's six. It's amazing. But you just see them run now. Right? It started small. And do you know God rejoices over you? When you take a small step of faith too? Look what the Bible says in Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. When you take a step, God's in heaven going, yes! Yes! He celebrates. And you may say, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a... But you know why? Because God knows where steps lead. God knows that cities are built when steps are taken. He knows that destinies are changed when steps are taken. He knows that the future's changed when steps are taken. So God celebrates these steps. Small steps toward a divine burden warms God's heart. And even taking small steps of faith, God celebrates. Ultimately, Nehemiah did it. He led the people to rebuild the wall. Now, it wasn't easy. The work was brutal. 
Actually, at one point, the Bible says that the people rebuilding the wall had a tool in one hand and a sword in the other because they had so much opposition that they were fighting off while they were building the wall. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, you got a sword in this hand, you know, plastered in the wall, whatever they did. I don't know how they built it. But here they are. And, and, and Nehemiah went all the way across uh, 850 miles to get there. And the people became so discouraged. Some of the most beautiful scripture we have is in Nehemiah, the verse that you've probably heard, most of you've probably heard at some point in your life, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It comes in the middle of rebuilding this wall because the people had become so discouraged and so overwhelmed by how impossible the job was. But they kept taking these steps. So you don't need the faith to finish. You just need the faith to start. Don't let all the... the, Discouragement, don't let all the details, don't let all the pitfalls stop you from taking one step. I remember uh, a few years ago, we, every summer we do a book study of the Bible, and we were studying the book of Acts. We studied for three summers. It's a long book. And in the middle of that series, two of our staff members, Joel and Lindsay Sims, were here with us. And in the middle of that series, God used that study of the book of Acts to confirm and stir their heart and say... We are unsettled now. We have a divine burden to reach people, and we think that God wants us to go start a church. So they did. They went to Huntsville, and they started a church. And by the way, in a a really unchurched place. And they went and started a church. And the first Sunday they had, the first meeting, they had eight people. And then they met in like a middle school cafeteria for months, and then they upgraded and moved right next door to a bar. And they met there for a while. And, and, and now they've upgraded and moved again, and they've got a long-term lease in a building that they're able to call their own. And I talked to Joel a couple weeks ago, and this Easter was the first Sunday in their church's history. They had two Sunday morning services, and they had 185 people that came to celebrate Easter with them at Four Corners Church in Huntsville, Alabama, because they took a small step. They had a divine burden. Isn't that incredible? incredible. They had a divine burden, but they took a first step, and that step, that small step, translated into 185 people being reached for Jesus Christ. I'm not saying think small. I'm not saying pray small. Think big and pray big. Just start small. Number two. Keep taking steps. If you've, um, any of you closely related enough to football, either through coaching, parenting, you had a kid that was a player, whatever, you know that coaches are always preaching the same thing. Keep your feet moving, right? We're not going to hand you the ball and you're going to take one step in the backfield and we're going to call it. Drive your feet. What about when somebody tries to tackle you? Drive your feet. What about when somebody's coming at you? Drive your feet. Keep your feet moving. So the thing that we do in our walk of faith is we take that first step, but then we take another one and another one and another one, and we just keep our feet moving and keep taking steps. I remember hearing uh, Pastor Rick Warren, you may have heard of, who started Saddleback Church in California 45 years ago probably, become one of the... um, the most effective churches in our, in our country at reaching its community. And it's just grown and, you know, he wrote Purpose Driven uh, Life and all that. And I heard him interviewed. He was talking about some uh, plan they were starting 
And he was talking about how hard it was. And he was saying, you know, a lot of people think just because our church has made a big difference or we've reached a lot of people or it's grown that it hasn't been hard. He said, everything we've done in 45 years has been hard. Just because it grew doesn't mean it's not hard. He said, all of it's been hard. And you know what? If you're going to take a step for Jesus, you're going to face resistance. It's not all going to be easy. Some of it's going to be hard. St. Francis said this, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, then suddenly you're doing the impossible. Just keep moving your feet. Don't let them plant in the same place too long. Now, maybe if you're one of those people who just keep starting with small steps over and over and over and over and over because you keep changing your mind what you want to do, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a different, that's a different sermon. Okay? That's a different issue. What, what I'm saying is, is God has put this low roar inside your soul, and although you can't define it to the last detail, you've got a general idea which direction that burden is. And what I'm saying to you, just keep taking small steps toward that divine direction. Eugene Peterson, who translated the Message Bible, called it uh, this way. He said, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. Not perfect direction, not like right along the line, but the same general direction. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer with a divine burden, but he rebuilt the city walls. He led a, a group of people to rebuild the city walls in 52 days. And the city grew and the economy flourished and the nation was reestablished, and they built a temple in the middle of the city to worship God. And all of that happened because somebody with a burden took a step. Now, I have, I have no idea what, what small, what's going to happen through the small step of faith that you take. But Nehemiah had no idea what would happen when he took his step. But you know what? God knew, and God knows about you too. He knows where your small step of faith is going to lead. So a burden may, may seem small and it may seem insignificant, but my encouragement to you is take it anyway. And here, let me tell you the best place to start. Start like Nehemiah did. Start in prayer. Just take it to your heavenly Father and say, God, I feel this burden and I don't know what to do with it. What should I do with it? But so often it's the stop, it's the start that stops us. It's the first step. It's the first action. Maybe the first action is prayer. And then after that, you know, maybe it's sharing it with somebody. And then after that, there's another step. And just keep taking those steps. Your smallest step might be the biggest step of faith you ever take. And it might make the biggest difference. So what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you this summer, we're going to study the book of Hebrews. That's going to be our summer study this year. And we'll start after Mother's Day. And um, I, want to, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. And I want to ask you to state with me. I've taken uh, Hebrews 11 is the chapter on faith. And I've taken some of the passages and kind of summarized them into nine statements. Just historical statements about people in the Bible that took a step of faith 
and became, became uh, impactful in their life. And what I want to ask you to do this morning is I want to ask you to repeat those, those scriptures with me. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. If you're online, you can do this too. Wherever you are, just say it. Because here's what happens. When you speak the truth, something powerful happens inside you. Something different than when you just hear it. But when you say it yourself, something powerful happens inside you. So I, I want us all to repeat these together. We'll start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Are you ready? Read it with me. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Sarah was enabled to bear children. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. <laughs> isn't that good stuff? That's good, isn't it? That's so good. So we're going we're gonna to sing a short song, and as we're worshiping, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God to give you faith. I want you to ask God to give you faith and strengthen your faith so that you can take whatever step he wants you to take. If you're online, our prayer team is there with you and they'd love to pray with you. So if you'll just jump in the comment section and put your prayer request, a, a prayer team member will join you there live and pray with you. Lord, I thank you today that you are, you are the God of the impossible, but you are also God of the practical. <laughs> and you lead us in small human steps that guide us toward miraculous feats of faith. So Lord, today I pray you would raise our faith as we worship you. In Jesus' name.